I'll admit it. I, I've hesitated. I've hemmed and hawed over this thing. I've even foreseen right here on this program that the Steelers would lose this coming Sunday to the Bengals at Heinz Field. And I didn't say it without cause, but I also didn't say at any point that I'd stand by it. Good morning to you. Good Friday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this, the newly reborn DK Sports Radio podcasting network, complete with, I might add, pending new studio. I'm actually speaking to you from that new studio, even though it's still very much pending if you looked around (laughs) at the rubble that I'm sitting in. But hey, it's functional. And, uh, you know, in a pandemic, anybody that's working and doing what it is that they love to do can't complain about anything. I, I did complain in Dallas about the Steelers' performance. I didn't feel good about it. I don't know of anyone who did. I don't know of anyone on the Steelers who did. They shouldn't have. They played lousy probably for the first time all season on all three facets. Uh, They were bad offensively, worse defensively, and that much worse than both of those on special teams. It wasn't the kind of performance that would make you think this is an 8-0 team, let alone one that's supposedly headed for higher things. And I did say on this program, again from Dallas, that I could see them losing to the Bengals. And then I went through the individual breakdowns, how much Joe Burrow is maturing, how he and Tyler Boyd have formed this terrific chemistry with Cincinnati. And then on top of that, how the Bengals have just generally played better football of late. They've been in all of their games. They beat Tennessee, which I don't think anybody saw coming. It came right after the Steelers beat Tennessee. And they're starting to look like, without overstating it, a team that's on the rise, I guess is the most generous term that you can give to a team that's still 2-5-1, and one, has no offensive line, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, they're still the Bengals. But I, I could have foreseen it. And I did give you, at the time, an asterisk. And I made it like a glow-in-the-dark asterisk so that it would really stand out. That I could change my mind if I saw things happen over the course of the week. And... My goodness, things definitely happened over the course of the week. The Steelers coming up with their first positive coronavirus test at Vance McDonald, that putting Ben Roethlisberger, Vince Williams, and a couple other players additionally on the COVID list after contact tracing. You would think that Ben and Vince will both be back for the walkthrough tomorrow. That's certainly the indications that we got yesterday from Randy Feetner and Keith Butler in their weekly calls. 
but it's a disruptor. It's something that kind of messes you up. There's no question about that. The Steelers are going to have had a, a strange week at practice. I mean, they're getting ready for an AFC North opponent, regardless of what you think of them, with their two backup quarterbacks, Mason Rudolph and Josh Dobbs, duking it out to hear Tomlin and Feetner explain it. So it, it's going to be unsettling. It's going to be strange for them. However, however, every time I think to myself that I want to push this concept across the finish line, that the Steelers are going to lose this game and this is where 8-0 is going to end, I back off. I back off. One reason I'll say this is that Joe Mixon, who's a big, big part of the Cincinnati offense, one of the NFL's legit best running backs, hasn't been able to practice. Uh, He wasn't able to go Wednesday or Thursday because of a foot injury. Nobody saw that coming with the Bengals fresh off their bye week. So that's one variable that even if Mixon is able to come back to practice today uh, and do his walkthrough tomorrow, as we saw with Ezekiel Elliott last week in Dallas, he came back after being kind of iffy, and it looked like he was kind of iffy when he came back. So that's one thing. The bigger thing, though, the biggest thing that I can't get out of my head and probably shouldn't is that the Steelers win games. They do a lot of things wrong. They make you shake your head. They make you wish for more. But when they've had their backs to the wall, and right now they're 8 for 8 in this, they've been the ones who've made the plays. You could do this from the opening kickoff in East Rutherford and carry it all the way through to Minka Fitzpatrick batting that ball away in Arlington. And you will find that in every situation where they really, 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 really had to get something done, they did. I'm not suggesting that Sunday is some do-or-die game or whatever. It's not. But within the simple framework of taking this game and improving to 9-0, and improving their chances of winning the division, improving their chances of taking the top seed in the AFC, within that alone... It would be nuts, and I would be nuts, to go against them. So I won't. I I go back to the first time the Steelers took the field in the fourth quarter this past Sunday. Dallas is up 10 points. And I'll ask you this. Put this to yourself. What were you thinking in that moment, did you feel like the Steelers were out of the game? They were down 10 points in the fourth quarter. You can look through the record books and not find more than a handful of double-digit fourth-quarter comeback wins for any team. They don't happen that often in the NFL. There are a lot of ways to close out a lead if you're the team that's leading. There are a lot of ways even if you're the Cowboys, 
Did you think to yourself that the Steelers were out of it? I can promise you that they didn't. They didn't. I'm not expecting anything remotely resembling some kind of complete performance on Sunday. Uh, Not with Ben coming off no practice. I I think he'll be okay, but I don't think no practice will be his friend, especially when deep passes and timing have been his primary issues. I don't think you're going to see the best version of the defense. Uh, Mike Hilton regressed yesterday in participation going from full to limited, although there's footage of this practice that the Steelers put out that make it look like he was still fairly active in those sessions. But Hilton's not 100%. Tyson Alualu is still limited. I don't have any reason to believe you'll see him return. Avery Williamson, who who spoke with us yesterday, and I'll get to that in the second segment, he is never going to have a chance to be up to speed for however much he's out there. So now you have a couple of issues at inside linebacker with Vinny having been off practice all week and then Avery Williamson being brand new and everything else. So it's not going to be perfect. It might be another ugly one, especially when you weigh in that the Bengals aren't very good and can't block anybody, by the way. Terrible offensive line. But ugly is okay if you come out on top. If you keep learning from these ugly wins, you keep advancing from them, and you keep winning. You keep winning. They all are talking about that after every one of these Ws. You know, oh, we, we didn't do this, we didn't do that, but, but, we did this. We came out on top. We won the game. That is a trait unto itself. It's not one of those that gets discussed with the three facets, offense, defense, special teams, or anything like that. But it is a trait. It is a characteristic. The Steelers have that, and they have it more than any other team in the National Football When we come back, I'm going to laser in on inside linebacker. Steelers versus Bengals Sunday at Heinz Field. That's a 4:25 p.m. kickoff, by the way. And get used to seeing the Steelers moved into more prominent television slots as the season gets deeper. Uh, more and more people are going to want to see them. The more they keep winning. This portion of Daily Shot is brought to you by the personal injury law firm of Luxembourg, Garbett, Kelly, and George. They represent people who are hurt in car accidents, who need help with workers' comp, who filed medical malpractice claims. The attorneys at LGKG have been AV rated. That's the highest rating a law firm can receive for legal ability and ethics. And they've been designated super lawyers, capital S, capital L, for over 15 years. In that industry, that is a rare combination LGKG has offices in Cranberry, Newcastle, Beaver Falls, Butler, Elwood City. You can reach out to them online at lgkg.com or by calling them at 
888-253-5454. One of the things that we're going to need to see play out from the Steelers, ideally over this week and let's say next week in Jacksonville as well, is settling the inside linebacker position. Vince Williams obviously has one of the two spots. Vince has been really, really good. Had his snaps cut back last year. Did not like it. I can tell you that unequivocally. Didn't complain about it out loud. Did not like it. Trust me. But he did his job then. And then since he was put into the position this year, going right from the beginning, of having those snaps back, of being out there uh, for a lot of three-down situations. He's really been good. I think we kind of take that guy for granted. He's been a really, really good football player for this team, not just in terms of run stopping, but pass coverage, pass rush, one of the better pass rushing inside linebackers in all of football. So Vinny's one part, but ever since Devin Bush went down, There have been questions, and there should be questions, about the rest of it. You can have the Robert Spillane narrative. It's been fun. It's been cute at times. He's not the answer. He's not the answer. I'm trying to be nice. He had the massive hit on Derrick Henry down in Nashville, and it drove everybody nuts, and they bumped him up to first class on the charter flight home and all that other stuff, but he's not that guy. Watch the film. I've done it. It is not elegant. It's not efficient. He's not making the plays that you need an NFL inside linebacker to make in 2020. Meaning he's got to be able to get sideline to sideline. He's got to keep that running back, or for that matter, sometimes even the quarterback from hitting that edge. He doesn't have that step. He just doesn't have it. He's not going to acquire it. One does not become faster at the NFL level. So then comes Avery Williamson. He's a happy guy. That guy is going from 0-9 to 8-0, and he has made no secret of his joy about having left the Jets and come to the Steelers on his social media. And yesterday, for the first time, we had a chance to speak with him. And just just listen to some of this. This guy is – just listen. Well, I mean, yeah, it's complete opposite. You know, it's, it's definitely – I mean, we in New York, we still had a, a good locker room. And, you know, I mean, but it's tough, you know, when you're, when you're, when you're losing. And you can definitely, uh, you can definitely have a, a, a lot of different emotions. So, um, you know, it's, it's tough. and But, uh, you know, coming here, you know, it's definitely – I mean, complete opposite, you know, just getting that that uh, that first win, you know, on Sunday, even though I wasn't able to contribute physically, like, you know, it still was, like, just, just fun. You know, I hadn't, hadn't won in a while. So, um, definitely definitely cool to just be in the, uh, a winning locker room, man, and, and just and just, uh, just be a part of the celebration of that, of that win. That's great. And you know, the funny thing is he was visibly toning himself down during that interview, you could see it. Uh, the way th- this one was conducted, uh, there was a backdrop that was placed near where the Steelers were practicing. 
on the field behind him, you could actually hear all the horns and the sounds and the whistles of a practice. And he came over and did that session while just not wanting to let it all out about how truly happy, how truly excited he was, A, to be away from the worst organization in football to coming here to being one of the best, if not the best. And that's good. More important, he can play. Uh, He is a faster version of Vince Williams for anybody who hasn't paid attention to Avery Williamson's career, uh, both with the Titans and the Jets. Um, He'll make those types of plays. I don't know that he's going to get you a whole bunch of splash. He's not going to come and make all big headlines the way Minka Fitzpatrick and other guys did over the years. But he should be on the field. He should be out there. He's got that kind of uh, pedigree and credibility. And he's also wired like a winner, which you wonder about at times when you get somebody from a losing team. Um, This guy is, is put together in the right way. And yet, and yet, I'm not going to take this too far. But I want Alex Highsmith on the field. I don't want to move him to inside linebacker. He's a rookie. He's got enough challenges in just understanding being part of an NFL defense at one position. I'm not talking about that. But I do think there are ways, whether it's gimmicks or packages. We saw those in the Baltimore game. We saw them very effectively in the Baltimore game, meaning three outside linebackers, T.J. Watt, Bud Dupree, and Alex Highsmith, all on the field together. And they would line up in different spots. And you might say to yourself, well, why would you do that, particularly with T.J., where you know he's all that from the one position on the field? You could make the same argument about Bud on the right side. Why would you do that? To which my answer would be, you're already doing that. Watch the Dallas game. They used no three outside linebacker sets, to my knowledge, from what I saw. But they still had Bud and TJ lining up at all different spots, trying to get through what was a surprisingly stout Dallas offensive line. They're doing it anyway. You're stunting those guys anyway. You might as well get your talent on the field. All I'm saying, I want guys on the field who are making plays. That's how Mike Hilton got a job in the NFL. Mike Hilton doesn't cross off uh, a lot of the concerns that you'd have as an NFL talent evaluator or a coach when it comes to scouting combine types of things. And for that matter, Mike Hilton doesn't really even profile to a highly specific position or role in a defense. He just doesn't. If you had Mike Hilton, think about this, take Joe Hayden's place as your outside corner on the left side, I don't know that he'd do all that well. I think he'd he'd conduct himself professionally and everything else, but I think he'd also get exposed over time. If you put him at safety full-time, the same thing applies. Uh, You know, remember the game where he had the three sacks earlier this year? He was just doing nothing other than blitzing. Well, if you had him do that all the time, there'd be an answer for it. 
But what makes Mike Hilton valuable and what I found so commendable about the way Tomlin and Butler handled him early in his career was they said, we don't care. We don't care what Mike Hilton's position is. We care that he's on the field because he makes plays. When you lost Devin Bush, you lost a playmaker. You lost someone who's a cut above in that regard. At least stay open-minded to trying other ways to make sure that you still have that facet. doesn't have to be all 70 snaps, but that you still have that wild card, that extra element that you want on a special defense. And that's what this defense should be. With this much talent, this much character, and everything else that these guys have, this should be a special defense, not just a good one, not just one that could shut down Dallas's fourth-string quarterback. It should be a special defense. Keep those ingredients on the plate. When we come back, uh, Pitt football had its game canceled, and college football sure is looking bleak. So is a lot. So is a lot that's going on around us. At Point Park University, in the heart of downtown Pittsburgh, they understand there's no substitute for real-world experience and career-building connections. Their innovative curriculum engages students with distinctive experiential learning opportunities. Point Park's pioneering co-op program empowers qualified students to work in full-time, paid positions with their corporate partners while earning college credits. Visit pointpark.edu works to learn more. Career-ready. That's the point. Point Park University. Welcome back. Pitt's game that had been scheduled for this Saturday against Georgia Tech in Atlanta was postponed a month by the schools and by the ACC because of coronavirus concerns on both sides, meaning Panthers and Georgia Tech. And that is not exactly standing out as big news in college football. Four games in the SEC this coming weekend are off. Four of them. Four entire games are just not going to be played. The Ivy League, which of course is not Power 5 or anything like that, announced yesterday that uh, they're done. No winter sports of any kind. And as we've seen in recent months, when these snowballs start rolling down the hill, they don't just immediately unroll and start heading back in the other direction. This portion of Daily Shot is brought to you by the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank. In normal times, which these most definitely are not, one in seven people in our region don't know where their next meal is coming from. That includes one in five children. And now, with the pandemic going on, the need for food is that much greater. Our friends at the food bank are asking you to visit a new website they've set up, growsharethrive.org. No hyphens or anything like that in there. Just grow, share, thrive, one word, dot org. If you donate $10, 
it'll be matched by $5 or any extrapolation that you take up from there. That's a short-term offer. The money, the matching money that they've received is going to run out. So now is the time to make the biggest possible impact, feeding people in need, eliminating hunger right here in our region. GrowShareThrive.org College football might or might not make it. Uh, I'm not one of those people who is the sky is falling type when it comes to the virus. Um, I haven't been that from day one. Back in not so much March or April when it really felt like it was the end of the world, but more so in May and into June, I was openly, vocally advocating for professional sports in particular to return. And when they did, I applauded it. When they did so successfully, whether it was in or out of a bubble, I applauded that as well. I'm not going to lie, though. I've been cringy about colleges all along. To me, that's a different world. These athletes, they call them student-athletes, in a lot of cases, they're athletes. They're in college to get degrees in football. Let's not kid anybody here. That's, that's reality. They're not professionals. They're not being paid. And they're not as mature. They're not as responsible as professionals are going to be. That's just that's human nature. I could be saying that about students versus professionals in any walk of life, never mind sports. You're a little older, you get a little smarter, ideally anyway. <laughs> you're going to stay more responsible. You're going to listen more. You're not going to go to frat parties or hanging out in somebody else's dorm room or whatever else the case might be. Life is different on a college campus. It just is. At the University of Pittsburgh right now, the school's campus isn't on exactly what you'd call a lockdown, but there are significantly heightened restrictions on what the kids can do there right now. And they're being enforced. But we're talking about college kids, you know? This Notre Dame fiasco from a few days ago where there were about four or 5,000 students at the stadium in South Bend rushing the field after the huge victory over number one Clemson there. And people have been wagging fingers at the students. Give me a break. They're students. They're kids. What do you think they're going to do? They're not thinking, wow, this, this virus is is going to kill me if I go running onto the field here and celebrate with all my classmates. Plus, look at them. They're all doing it. Why shouldn't I do it? And they all just follow each other. This is what kids do. Any and all blame for what happened at Notre Dame should fall on the administrators for understanding that if you let that many kids into the stadium, that it's not just like letting other fans in because they're kids. Colleges were always, always, always going to be different in this regard. 
And I sympathize and I agree and feel for the students, whether it's colleges or high schools, who've lost opportunities to compete. Because they, unlike the pros, don't get those back. There isn't a next year in some cases. High school seniors in Pennsylvania were getting ready to compete in the state basketball championships in Hershey. They just had the plug pulled out. There wasn't any replacement. There wasn't any see you down the road. They'd been working toward those goals for years of their lives, formative years, important years of their lives, and had the plug pulled. I feel for that. I understand it. I empathize with it. The same goes for the college kids, including the ones who are the student athletes who are doing football just as a thing on the side and will never, ever, ever, ever play competitive football again once they're out of college, which, by the way, is most of them, the overwhelming majority of them. But I don't know that this needed to happen. I don't know. And I'm, I'm not saying that the heads of the conferences who actually do the administrating of football, it's not done by the NCAA. I'm not saying that they acted recklessly or irresponsibly or whatever. They also have an obligation to make sure that football can be played so that they can collect their revenues so that they can distribute those to the non-revenue sports and make sure that everybody's got a chance to compete, not just in football. And they've tried it, and they're still trying it. I've, I've got my doubts on this one, and it's the first time I've said that, because all you have to do is look at the map. And you know which map I'm talking about, the one with all the red, particularly in the middle of the country, that's starting to spread in this direction. Even if this peak that we're reaching with each passing day of new cases is now handled better than ever and better than it was in March and April, particularly in nursing homes and among the elderly, even if that happens, the numbers aren't going to not be the numbers. The cases are going to turn into hospitalizations. The hospitalizations are going to turn into deaths. We lost 1,800 Americans Yesterday, just yesterday, we lost 1,800 of them. Some will try to downplay that. Oh, well, most of them were 80 and 90 years old or whatever, but they're, if it's your 80-year-old or your 90-year-old or your 70-year-old or your 20-year-old, because they're dying too, they're out there, then it's not something to shrug off. 1,800 Americans is like, the equivalent of five plane crashes, which we would all be making an enormous deal out of. And that's not going to go away. You're going to have more situations like the one that got Pitt and Georgia Tech pushed back a month. I don't know that you're going to see that game made up. You're going to see more cancellations, more frustration with trying to reschedule and rebook and then to try to figure out how on earth you would have a playoff in a sport that already barely has a system for determining playoff participants. I don't know. I don't know. I'm glad I'm not the college presidents. I'm glad I'm not the conference commissioners because that is a job I would not wish on my worst enemy right now. I'm just hoping, like everybody else is, that we can get to the other side of this thing and the 
the scientists and everybody with the keys to the vaccines that are popping up or starting to pop up all over the world can all get on the same page and we can start living our lives again. There, how's that? That's a safe position to take in a nice way to end the week of shows here. Steelers versus Bengals this Sunday. This show will be back and entirely dedicated to that game on Monday morning. Thank you so much for listening, not just today, but every day. Your front door, your car, your gym locker, your gun. Safety is a habit. Learn more about how to keep guns safe and secure. Visit projectchildsafe.org.